Well, it is just a joy to be with you on this first Sunday of 2016. It's just a brand new year, just right in front of us now. And think that it's a good time to remember some things. Now, you had your your hymnal open earlier to Psalm 103. And if you would, let's turn back to the responsive reading there that you'll find. I'm not going to have you go through it. But I want you to look at what it says there as I read through Psalm 103, verses 1 through 22. And I want you to notice that there are, there may be, yes, there are several, three major differences I want you to note in the translation that we were reciting from and uh, the way that it, uh, that it reads in the New American Standard Bible and, uh, and the part that I'm going to show you reads that way in King James Version as well. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Now, what does it say in the version that you're reading there? Hmm? The faithful, right? Yeah. Okay. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. What's it say in your version? Yeah, yeah. Okay. For he knows our frame. And I'm just going to stop there. There's another time that that, there's that, that, that change that's taken place. And that change in our hymnal and the moving away from the fear of the Lord ties in with what I was talking about last week when we were talking about uh, uh, denying the power of the Lord, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Because we as a denomination, uh, we as a nation have been drifting away from the power of God that is available to us. We are gradually just going further and further away from the Lord. And here we start to see some of that that change. My son and I were talking this past week, and in fact, he's going to be mentioning this. If you look at the Apostles' Creed, they have tweaked it through the years and left things out. 
because some people seem to think that we are as human beings and we as Christians are somehow evolving. And interestingly, they think that as we evolve, we need God less and less. And it's just the opposite. We're not evolving. Look around us. Look at the world today. We're not getting better and better. We're the same as we were back whenever uh, uh, David was on the throne in Israel. We're the same today as we were back then. And we're prone to commit the same sins. We have a lot more technology, but we don't have a lot better ways and, uh, and character. And so what I want us to do is on this first day of the week, of the year, is to remember uh, what the Lord told us to remember. First of all, we read in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus had his disciples together and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. And this is my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. It was so important that we be forgiven of our sins that Jesus was willing to go to the cross and die so that we could have a way to be freed from our sins. And he told us, remember, don't forget this. This is important. So important that it's become a sacrament. And we cannot forget whenever we remember every, every month that he died for our sins. He didn't die for our goodness. He died so he could be free from the law of sin and death. He died because he is merciful and we couldn't do anything to free ourselves from the law of sin and death. And so in his mercy, he paid the price for us. You know, there's a difference. I've shared this with you before. There's a difference between mercy and grace, and you've got to take them in order. First of all, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. When you show mercy on someone, they are due having something bad happen to them. They have it coming, and you don't give them what they have coming. And you have the right to mete it out to them. That's mercy when you don't give someone what they do have coming. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. That's grace. Now today, we live in a time when people are wanting to throw mercy out the window and keep the grace. If you don't, if you don't need mercy, you don't need grace. Grace. It's whatever you're offered, eternal life, and you're given eternal life that you didn't deserve. Mercy is whatever you're not struck by lightning or squashed by a piano falling or something because of what you've done. Do you see the difference? And you see how you need the one. You can't have one without the other. And if there is mercy, then that means that some offense has been committed and that God has the right to smack you for it. Do you see that? That's you were in that place. And yet in his mercy, he does not give us what we deserve. And it all took place at Calvary. 
That's where love, mercy, and grace just all came together right there in Jesus Christ. So now with that in mind, looking back at the at Psalm 103, David in his Psalm says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Remember all of his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Now, there are benefits that are due to those who know the Lord and who love the Lord. And let's look at some of those. Uh, well, but first of all, I want us to look at some of the ways that we can forget. I touched on some of them last week, but one of the ways that we can forget his benefits, one of the things that draws us away is prosperity. And God knew that prosperity could pull us away from God. He knew it could pull us away from him. He knew it could pull the children of Israel away from him. And so whenever they were getting ready to go into the promised land, he warned them. He said in Deuteronomy, beginning with 8.10, When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the houses of slavery. He saw that there was going to come a time when it would be easy for the children of Israel to forget him. In their prosperity, in their blessings from him, they would forget that their blessings came from him. Proverbs 37, 30 verse 7 says, Two things I ask of you, do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I might not be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And yet this I'm afraid is what our country has done. We have been blessed. We have been given wonderful things. We are prosperous. And yet as a nation, we are saying, who is the Lord? We don't need him. We don't need his commandments on our walls or in our courthouses. We don't need uh, uh, crosses up everywhere. We don't need him. We are a different sort of people. And yet we are still people who need the Lord. And we need to remember who it is that has blessed us so richly. And yet we are so prone to forget in our prosperity when we are doing well. Well, that's number one. In prosperity, we can forget him. And then also in sin, we can forget him. And I'm afraid that this happens far, far too often. Uh, I mentioned this last week. 
Uh, maybe you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and, uh, and you were washed and cleansed and you were walking with him and he was so close. And then there was some temptation and you gave into it without even thinking about it. Says, oh God, forgive me. And you get things right with him and you start walking with him again. And then the same temptation, oops, messed up again. Oh God, forgive me. Start walking with the booth again. And maybe this time you even inch a little closer to where, oops, you'll fall into that temptation again. And then the next thing you know, what you're saying is what I have actually heard people say this. Contemplating and exploring with me what might happen if they commit a sinful act. Like, well, I'm not going to even say some of the things people have it's amazing what people will tell a preacher. I mean, sometimes it'll make your hair stand on end, you know? So, but anyway, sometimes they'll be, they know I'm not going to judge them. They know I'm going to just listen. And sometimes in my heart of hearts, I'm going, you what? But the thing is, so many times I've heard people say, we've had to explore this, but God will forgive me if I do this, you know? If I take this money from this guy for doing this, God will forgive me. If I do this, God will forgive me. And the thing is, you can get to the place where you say, well, God will forgive me. So I'll do it and I'll confess it and get forgiveness and then I'll take it from there. Well, after a while, you get to where you don't even think about God. You just do it. And you're so far from him that in your heart of hearts, you don't even know if he's real anymore. It is so easy to get there, folks. And I'm afraid that a lot of people in our nation knew him at one time, and they have drifted so far from him now, they don't even know if he's real. And there's this presumptuousness, a presuming on God's forgiveness, and they forget that we are what I brought out in, we, we see there's, there's no fear of God anymore. That's one of the things that's missing from our nation today is a fear of God. It's one of the things that's missing from our denomination today is a fear of God. Remember what the, the hymn says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to feel all good inside." No, t'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And then grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. We need his grace, no doubt about it. But you know, there was a time in our country when God-fearing was an accolade. If some, if you spoke of someone as being a God-fearing man, that was someone you could trust or a God-fearing woman. They were a person that they were, you knew they were going to be trustworthy because they knew they were going to be accountable to God for their actions. And they knew that they were going to one day stand before him and have to give account for what they had done. And they wanted to keep their accounts short with him. And so they feared him. In fact, Jesus tells us, in fact, it's, uh, I want to give you the two places it says it. In Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's in Matthew 10, 28. 
And then in Luke 12, 24, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear, him who, after he is killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And no matter what translation you read, they can't take fear out of that particular spot. It's going to say fear every time. And do you know who Jesus is talking about there? I used to think that somehow he was talking about the devil. But you know what? The devil cannot destroy your soul. The devil cannot cast your soul and body into hell. There is one who can, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is he who holds the keys of hell and death. It is he who is going to stand as the righteous judge one day. It is he before whom we will come and be separated like sheep and goats. It is he who will separate the tares from the wheat. It is he whom we should fear. But this one whom we should have a healthy fear of, this one who is so awesome that he can destroy us, both body and soul, he is the same one who is so good, who is so wonderfully compassionate that he doesn't want that to happen to us. In fact, Peter says uh, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise to come back and get rid of all that's bad in this world, but long-suffering, not desiring that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All of us would turn around and quit running from him and instead come to him. And those of us who have done that, there are benefits to being in his kingdom. And uh, those are outlined right here, and I'm going to just name them quickly before you. But I've left off a couple other things. So I've got a, other things that, that can get us, can drift us away from God. Another is busyness. You can even get so busy doing God's work that you can forget God. And I've known people that have done that. You can get, you can also wind up in adverse circumstances. You can wind up with, and I've been there, where just one wave after another of bad stuff has just come upon me to where I just numb from pain because you can only hurt so much. I've been there. I've been there. You can have adverse circumstances begin to cause you to question, is God really there? I remember one time I'd gotten to that place to where I was wondering if everything had gone wrong. Everything. Uh, financially, physically, um, I had uh, uh, just everything had gone wrong. And I was hurting every possible way that you could hurt. And I'll just tell you, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'll tell you the whole story some other time. But in the midst of all of that, the Lord found different tangible ways to tap me on the shoulder and remind me that he was there, reminded me that even though I felt like he was far, far away, he cared. He was there. He cared for me. Number two, not only did he care, he was able to do something to help me. And not only was he able 
And this is, we deny the power thereof. There's some people that want to say that uh, there's nothing, he just set this ball spinning. He's not involved in this world anymore. It's like he has electively stepped back and doesn't get involved in this world anymore. And so in practicality, he's not able to do anything. And yet in scripture and in life, you find that he is able. And not only is he able, more than that, he is willing. He is willing to help you with whatever is going on in your life. With those in mind, look at forgetting all his business, who forgives all your iniquity. Some people think that some of the things that they've committed are so bad that God can't forgive them. There's not a thing that you can't be washed and cleansed from for the power of the blood of Jesus. Who heals all your diseases. Some of you have been fighting things in your own uh, personal life, physically. I want to encourage you. If you have, if you're ill, if you have a disease, bring it before the Lord this year. So if you feel like you need his forgiveness, if you need healing, who redeems your life from the pit, if you feel like uh, this, this, yes, he redeems you from the law of sin and death and hell. But sometimes you can feel like your life is just being sucked into a pit. Sometimes you can feel like you've just dug a hole so deep that the only thing you can do now is just fall further down. Whenever you get to a place like that, that's where the Lord can redeem you. He can take things, that mistakes that you've made, things that have gone wrong. He can take those and redeem them and turn that which was headed the wrong way into something that brings glory to him and benefit to you. I can remember whenever I first came to know the Lord and I'd done so many wrong things. I felt like I I just lost and wasted so much of my life not living for him. And I finally, I said, Lord, I just feel like I've lost so much time. He said, Joel, be quiet. It's not lost time. It's time when you were lost. And he has redeemed my past. He can redeem your past. Even though you might have been headed for the pit, now then, you're redeemed and everything that's happened in your past, he can use to help other people and to make a difference for the good in your life today. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Some of you just don't feel loved. Some of you feel just unloved and unlovely and unlovable. And you know, that's right where the Lord finds you. And where he begins to love you into the person that he created you to be. Who satisfies you with good. I pray these things for you in this new year. I pray that you won't forget his benefits. That you'll realize that you have been forgiven. That he has made a way for anything that you may feel God is holding against you to be taken care of. That if you're fighting any sort of a physical battle, that he will help you, that he will heal you. And that he will just take those things that maybe you've been ashamed of in your past. And he will let you know that he has redeemed those things and start helping you to use those to make a difference. Instead of beating yourself up over them, receive his gracious forgiveness and mercy and then use that past 
to please him and to make a difference for the good in the future. And I pray that he will satisfy you with good in this year. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that there are benefits to being yours. And the greatest one is just having you right there with us. As we go into this year, help us to be mindful of your presence and your power with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.